We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ravens go for it on fourth and goal. Jackson fading. Jackson throws. Intercepted. The Bills have it. Jordan Poyer with the pick. Tyler Bass. The kick is good, and it's a game winner. The Bills complete the comeback, and they knock off the Ravens. 23-20. to I felt like it gave us the best chance to win the game because seven, the worst that happens is if they go down the field and score, and I think we'll get them stopped, but if they go down the field and score a touchdown, the worst thing that can happen is that you're in overtime. But you kick a field goal there, now it's not a three-down game anymore. It's a four-down game. You're, you're putting them out there. You're putting your defense at a disadvantage because they've got four downs to convert all the way down the field and a chance to, again, score seven, and then you, you lose the game on a touchdown. And then the worst thing, the other thing, you think you're going to get the ball at the two-yard line. So I'm very confident in our defense. Defense's ability to stop them down there with the ball on the two-yard line. So we got them backed up. If we don't get it, it didn't turn out that way, unfortunately, and we lost the game. So hindsight, you could take the points. But... If you look at it analytically, I understand why we did it. I was fine with it, you know, because if we would have executed that, we would have scored a touchdown. That one didn't be no question right now, you know. Nobody wouldn't be disappointed. Next time we'll get it. So the Ravens have now blown leads of 21 and 17 points in their last three games. They're tied for the biggest and fourth biggest blown leads in franchise history and to say this is uncharacteristic for a John Harbaugh led organization would be an understatement. The Ravens dropped this week four matchup to the Buffalo Bills 23 to 20. And this is our instant reaction episode here on the Ravens vault. Let's bring it in. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison. Sarah, we got a lot to pick apart here, including some decisions that certainly loom large and will loom large all week long. But you know, first and foremost, what's really becoming a trend of blown leads is something that uh, you don't want to overreact to it, but it is five games now. Yeah, five home games when you have your crowd behind you and, and everything's going right. And then, you know, the three last year, you can kind of, you know, sweep under the rug because it's a very injured team. Lamar Jackson's not out there. Your all pro corners aren't out there. And so it's like, you know, not as big of a deal, but these two this season, it's it's not just that it's like, oh, it's a stat that you have to look into. It was like a seven-point lead, and it was back and forth, or it was a three-point lead. No, these are legit huge leads of 21 points against Miami and now 17 points against the Ravens. And we are. We're going to break down what happened in this game. We broke down and unpacked what happened in the Miami game, and we can do that. But the big picture here, Bobby, is that – this is becoming a trend, and it can't happen. This coaching staff is too good for it. The Ravens organization is too good for it. They have an MVP quarterback that's too good for it. They have defensive veterans that are too good for it. They just – and we'll break it down. There's just so many mental lapses that are going on, and it's just it's just not acceptable. And I know that they're going to say that to themselves – it's not acceptable, and only they have the power to change this trend. I, I, it's it's just amazing because, you know, both you and I had predict, predicted a loss. We had. It was definitely in a different manner than it went down. And so, fine, it, you know, just like Lamar Jackson always says, 
You know, it's week four. It's not over. Fine. But this team should be four and O and they're not because they can't finish. They can't finish. They can change that narrative and show that they can finish, but you've got to finish with these three possession lead games. There's just no way around it. And just like in the Miami game, it took many, many things to go wrong. Just like how you often say for a Super Bowl to be won, everything has to go right. To lose these big leads, there's so many things that have to go wrong. And there's many, many people in that Ravens organization, in that Ravens locker room, who this, who t- today and Monday morning and all week will be pointing the finger at themselves because so many things went into this loss. Yeah, Sarah, you know, there's so many different angles that we can take in terms of like what led to the outcome of this, right? Like, and I keep coming back to the fact that like, in my opinion, there wasn't one decision or there wasn't one play that ultimately decided this game. There were a number of them that helped decide it, but the officials didn't decide this game. They weren't great. Did they help decide the game? Yes, but like they didn't ultimately decide the game. And I think there's a difference between the two. Yeah, there is. I mean, uh, listen, to me, we should address it in order of maybe how we think it decided the game. Um, And I think, uh, listen, I've got a bone to pick with the refs, a big one. I mean, it wasn't just like one bad call. There were bad calls the entire game. And there was some bad calls that they even missed on the Ravens, but I think overall there was more that they missed with the Ravens. So, but listen, I think the biggest one to address is the fourth down, the fourth down on offense. And you can break that down in a couple different ways. You've got the decision to go for it. You've got the play calling, which lands on, on Roman, and then you've got the execution. So to me, you start with the decision. Do you take the points? You've got, you know, Justin Tucker, almost guaranteed that you get the three points. It's fourth and goal. And, and do you take the points? And so uh, we played off the top that John Harbaugh explained it. He said that he felt like it was the best way to win the game. He felt like if, you know, they go for three points and they get those three points, you have to understand that you have over two minutes and the, the Bills offense has four downs to go with. This isn't a three down lead. Okay, so I get that. And to be honest with you, Bobby, even if they had taken the points, we'll never know this because it didn't play out this way. I think the Bills would have gone down and scored the touchdown anyway. That being said, I don't know that they could have run out the clock. I don't think they could have played with the clock and been as cute with that if they knew that they had to get a touchdown. But so do I get what Harbaugh is saying with his logic there? And then even if you miss, you've got them backed up at the two. You know, he wasn't predicting an interception from his MVP quarterback. So he's like, you know, in his mind, probably at worst is you're going from the two. So I understand it. I understand the analytics of it. There's also a thing that we call on with the gut. And I appreciate that John Harbaugh bets on his team. I think I've defended so many of his fourth down calls. I also don't think this is as terrible as people are saying, but I would have gone for the points because my gut, I even looked at my husband and my son during the game as we're watching it. My gut told me not to do it. And I think that my gut is based off of the fact that this has happened too many times now. This has happened too many times where Harbs has bet on his offense and they haven't come through. And so my gut was like, I just don't know that they have it in them. I just don't know that I ha- they have it in them. So I would have taken the three points. Like, again, I don't know that that really would have meant they would have won the game, but I would have taken the points. That's what my gut said, Bobby. What did your gut say? Yeah, well... I think first and foremost the whole like comparison dating back to last year where a lot of games were decided by some of his decisions on fourth down or at least I hate to say decided by like they certainly led to some losses his decisions on on fourth and short last year um, mm-hmm. I think we have to separate the two because of how unprecedented of a situation they were in defensively speaking that you alluded to earlier on in this episode last year you know, like, I don't think the two of them can be put in the same basket, uh, in my opinion. I think this was, it's a completely different season. The secondary is completely revamped. And I think although he never said it down the stretch last year, there was definitely not exactly a uh, a boatload of confidence in a number of those scenarios down the stretch last season that gave 
you know, John Harbaugh, the, the confidence to allow his, his defense to try and go out and win them games, which is what led to a lot of those in my, I, I would think what led to a lot of those decisions in this case today, whether it's analytics or the, the gut feeling or, or whatever, man, how about what your defense had done to that point? Like 20 points deep into the fourth quarter is all they allowed to a high flying explosive Josh Allen led offense. Like they were rolling Sarah. And I, I just get the sense that like that may have been one of the main reasons, or maybe it was miscommunication in terms of whether or not they were intentionally allowing the bills to score there. in in, in that final moment, I think that may have led to Marcus Peters' frustration and, and his his outburst there on the sideline sort of having to be held back from what looked like um, an exchange with, with John Harbaugh. And so, yeah, I, I kind of understand while it was completely out of line, obviously, and the emotions got the best of him, I understand where he's coming from if that is indeed the case that that he was upset that, that John and and the offensive staff didn't believe in the defense enough to get a stop when it mattered the most. And they, they passed on giving the goat a, a chip yard shot, which would have given them a three point lead and, and allowed the now, now Sarah, would the bills have attacked things differently perhaps in their final drive? Maybe. And it's a guessing game now. Hindsight's always 2020, but I'd have to think that despite some of these defensive members like Marlon Humphrey tweeting out their support for John Harbaugh and the decision I'd have to think some some guys in that locker room right now as we tape this just after six o'clock on Sunday night are pretty upset about this. Uh, I guess there's a few things there. So just to be clear, you would have taken the points or you would have gone for it? <laughs> Sorry, or, yeah, I never you... really said that. I would have taken the points. <laughs> you would have taken the points. Okay. In terms of Marcus Peters, uh, listen, we can speculate. I'm sure reporters, I, I was hoping reporters could get to him after the game. I'm sure PR was like, you need to get out of here and go cool off first, you know? Jonas Schaefer had tweeted that Marcus Peters, it says, some context on John Harbaugh, Marcus Peters' situation before the Ravens' fourth down call, Peters was far down the sideline closest to Harbaugh, like he wanted to communicate something. So, yeah, well, I don't know whether he agreed or disagreed with the call. I don't know what he was trying to communicate. I, I don't know. He's he's definitely upset from while he's on the on the field and all that. But I want to let Marcus Peters kind of speak for himself on that. So so we're in agreement that probably better to take the points, although we're probably not as livid as some people are, because I do see the logic in it. Because to me, if the if they take the three points and Josh Allen and the Bills go down and score anyway. I could just as easily see people saying, you've got Lamar Jackson and you've got Mark Andrews and you've got this offense and you don't trust them and you don't put it in their hands to win the game. You know, people could just as easily do that. So that's why I always try to like, I always try to, when, when the situation arises, I have to say, what would I do right now before it happens? So it's not this, this 2020 hindsight. So I'll always mentally make that note. What would be my decision right now, split second? What am I doing? So I'll I'll defend Harbs in that split second all the time when I'm like, in that moment, I if if I'm agreeing with him or not, I've just got to think back to that moment and not use the 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 hindsight. Um, I will give props to Lamar. We played his sound off the top. So I disagreed with the decision, but and I I actually like the play call. I've seen people not like the play call. And the reason why I like the play call is there were two players open on, on the play. So if you've got two players open to me, that's a good play call. And then again, like I said, Lamar, after the game, he was asked, did you agree with the fourth down decision? We played it off the top. He said, yeah, I'm fine with it. And then he said, if we had executed it, this wouldn't even be a question right now. And so I'm still trying to look at more of the tape, Bobby, the video that I've seen, it's hard to see everything. Uh, so I'm going to read some some tweets, if that's okay, from Jeff Zrebeck and Kadri Ishmael, who did get a better look at the tape. Okay, so Kadri says, looking over the tape, Lamar and DuVernay initially, excuse me, Lamar had DuVernay initially wide open in the corner of the end zone. So he's there. Kadri says, the bunch formation and route concept worked. 
For whatever the reason, Lamar stares down the safety too long and misses Duve coming, coming wide open for the potential score. Then Jeff Zrebeck also tweeted, he says, I would have kicked the field goal, same as you and I, but Lamar Jackson had Mike Davis wide open on the left side. Now that I could see, he was there. I'm sure he wasn't the first read, uh, so maybe that's why he missed him. But back to Jeff, he goes, he had Mike Davis wide open on the left side and Devon Duvernay broke open in the back of the right side. So both Kadri and Jeff saw the same thing that that Duvernay was open. And so, you know, Lamar missed it, according to these two. And Lamar said we didn't execute and he was fine with it. So there's definitely some some blame to put on Harbs. And now you've got your MVP quarterback who also says he blames the exec- execution. And if indeed, I got to go back and watch it myself, but if indeed he missed Duvernay open, then you also got to say, hey, Lamar missed it, you know? Uh, as much as we give, we like resoundingly talked glowingly about Lamar last week as a, as we should have. He played great in the first half. He played well in getting his team long possessions. But if he missed it, he missed it. And that has to be called out. So that's one part of it. So to me, disagree with the decision, fine with the play call. Then the execution on it wasn't wasn't what the players should have done. Right. Lamar held himself accountable. I'm sure Patrick Queen will hold himself accountable. If he meets with the media at some point this week, he had a interception that was in the breadbasket and couldn't haul it in for the second time in as many weeks. Tyler Linderbaum's going to want some of his plays back. Three penalties, two of which were uh, sort of uh, untimely false starts. Rashad Bateman would like a couple of his you know, quote unquote drops back. We know Lamar maybe could have been a little bit more accurate on at least one of those. It was tough conditions. And then, you know, the the officiating, which we'll get into in a bit, I'm sure, uh, that played a factor as well. So like as much as we're going to dissect and speculate and criticize, because we both we both do disagree ultimately with John Harbaugh's decision uh, to go for it on fourth and two with what just over four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, uh, it it wasn't the ultimate decider of this game. It certainly helped decide the game. I don't know if you're with me on this, so feel free to chime in, but I ultimately always look at these types of decisive plays as like, yeah, they, they certainly shaped the ultimate outcome of this game, but it wasn't the deciding factor. Like all these things that I just mentioned, we can probably bring up three or four other plays. I'm sure if we really want to dissect it, that, ultimately that were in the Ravens control and that they didn't execute on one being, you know, one of the biggest ones being that what you just mentioned, Mick missing Mike Davis and missing Devin Nuvernay and, and a very uncharacteristically of Lamar based on how he's performed so far in 2022. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I agree with that. And I mean, you could do this with any game, whether you win or lose, you never say, Oh, that one play or that one referee's call decided it one way or the other. Like, of course, it's a 60-minute game. So to me, that kind of goes without saying, but I do think that when people are so loud, it is probably a good reminder. So, yeah, do I think that the game lost is all of Lamar's fault? No. Do I think that the game lost is all of Harbaugh's fault? No. It's like I said at the top, especially like when you win a Super Bowl, I said, so many things have to go right. To lose a 17-point lead, so many things have to go wrong. And so that's what we're doing here. We're breaking it all down. We're breaking it all down. And then how listeners want to put weight on each thing and how much it's weighted to contribute to the loss, you know, put the weight how you want, you know, put the weight how you want. So my guess is, is that there's been enough of these fourth down calls that haven't worked, Bobby, that that's becoming, that's why they're getting louder and louder about John Harbaugh. And like I said, that's the reason why I disagreed with it. It's not because I disagree with the analytics. I get the logic of it. It's because this hasn't been working for the Ravens enough that I was like, it just hasn't, they just haven't proven to me that they deserve the confidence that he continually puts into them. That's my view. Now they could regain that confidence from Harbaugh or from me or from fans or whatever, but they haven't, to me, they haven't earned it as of late. I, I'm, I look, I think back to those games, the Seattle Seahawks game when John Harbaugh's like, Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go with for it? And, and Lamar's like, heck yeah. And then so they go for it. And it's like, it's it's three years removed from that. So I know they can do it and I know they can get back to it. But my gut told me they're not there right now and they haven't earned that confidence as of late. So one one other thing that I want to look at before we go to the, 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 the missed refs, we're talking about going back to execution. This one, 
almost makes you laugh because it's so frustrating. So on the final play, I think we could all see, or on the final defensive drive, we could all see that the Bills had made it far enough that we got two minutes left. The Ravens don't have any timeouts left. So the Ravens wanted to let the Bills score because they knew they could see ahead that the Bills, if they got, you know, if they got a first down, they could run out the play clock and do what they did, do this quick chip shot field goal to win the game, and the Ravens don't even get a chance to tie it up or win it. So John Harbaugh was asked after the game, was the orders or was the call to let them score? And he said yes. And so they didn't do that. So we know, all know that Odafe Owe tackled Bill's running back, Devin Singletary. I think he was at the 11-yard line. And the entire defense is clearly letting this guy for a touchdown. He's wide open now. They've let him through the, the defensive line. And then here comes Odafe Owe and tackles him. So again, credit to Odafe, who said after the game what happened. He said... According to reporters that were in there, he said that the defensive huddle before his late game tackle was either let him score or go for the strip. And so Owe decided to go for the strip. And I went back and I watched the play. He definitely did. He's trying to go for the strip. But it's like go for the strip if if he's kind of caught up in the defensive line, all that. Like it I mean, he could have just walked right in. Could have just walked right in. So and then if you go back and watch it, I retweeted it on my timeline. Calais Campbell watches it go down almost in unbelief and you could see him pat his helmet with his hands and then puts his hands in the air like what are you doing man (laughs) like what'd you just do you know because that was with 150 left and then they that's when they could run the timeout and the Ravens were powerless so again put the blame on John Harbaugh it's a trend that needs to be fixed Put some blame on Lamar Jackson. He missed Devin Duvernay and maybe a little bit of Mike Davis. And then put some blame because it's just a mental lapse on Odafe Owe's part. It's just a mental lapse. And his veteran teammate knew it instantly. And so the Ravens could have had, you know, almost two minutes to go down and try to score to tie it, you know? So it just, like I said, it's a, it's just a conglomeration of all these things having to go wrong. And we haven't even got into the refs yet. Because they had yeah. they had a decisive call in that drive too. Perfect segue into officiating, I suppose. Now I guess we should go in chronological order too with that first half. Just weak, weak, bogus sort of tic tac offensive pass interference call on Mark Andrews, which led the Ravens to having to settle for a field goal instead of being first and short. I mean, perhaps it was a makeup call for missing a pretty egregious hold. Like we said, like the officiating yeah. blunders hurt both teams. Like we said that at the top, yes. it, 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 they hurt both teams. So we're not coming across as Homer right now, right? Like this is just the bottom line. We're throwing that out there. But was it a makeup call perhaps for for missing the holding, uh, you know, a little while prior on Ricard, which was, you know, a big completion, uh, I believe of 20 yards from from Lamar to Dobbins. Sure. But like that was, whether it was a makeup call or not, Sarah, like it was just so, so, so subpar. It was so weak. The the yeah the the offensive pass interference of Mark Andrews was super weak, and again it had a big deciding factor on the game, knowing how it all went out. Because the Ravens, he was basically if he hadn't made a touchdown, he's basically you know within inches, and they had to settle for a field goal instead of a first and short right there. And and like you said, I I do think that might have been a makeup call. And maybe if we had a Bills fan here, they would point out other calls that maybe we're, we're missing. But fine, let's trade the, the holding on Ricard for the OPI on Mark Andrews, and then let's call it good. But then it just kept going against the Ravens. They didn't call a defensive pass interference when Poyer hit Robinson before the ball came even close to him, and Mark <laughs> Andrews was riding the, the, the ref for that. Um, Lamar Jackson, I mean, listen, I guess these are hard. To me, he had a first down. I, I guess, actually, to me, I have a question. When Lamar Jackson was going, I don't know if you remember watching it over and over. I went back. It might have been you posted this video, so maybe you do have this. When Lamar is going for out of bounds, 
When his last foot is in the grass, it's true that it didn't look like the ball had passed the first down marker, but he's still, I guess I just don't know when he's out of bounds. Is it when he, his foot hits the white line? Because before his foot hit the white line, the ball was definitely past the first first down marker. Yeah, I think I think the trouble there, Sarah, was based on, and I watched it like you. I watched it fifty times back and forth, slow mo, real time, all that stuff. Based on the analysis from CBS, it seemed as if like what was the big tall task there was the fact that the ruling on the field. You know, like it was it was it deemed to be inconclusive, right? Like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, indisputable, and so rarely in terms of spots are they overturned and ultimately Harbaugh took a gamble and and came up a little short and lost a timeout now did it come back to hurt him no they were able to cash in on on fourth and short thanks to Lamar right up the middle uh, right after that but that was bizarre and it just seemed like the football no unquestionably had crossed the feet maybe that's up for debate but man having looked at it 50 plus times Sarah I still don't have any clear answer you're right. And to your point, though, yes, they ended up getting the fourth down on the QB sneak, but they lost a timeout. And boy, did they need that timeout there at the end. But OK, let's say that one. All right. Let's say that one's too close to call. You know, give it to the refs. The egregious one in my mind was the final one on the final drive. And this is why I said all of these things had to come together to go wrong. They called the roughing the passer call on Brandon Stevens, which uh, to give this on a drive like this, I just hate to see it. Brandon Stevens was completely the correct form tackle. He did not hit Josh Allen in the head or neck area. He did not go low. Two things we both know you're not supposed to do. He didn't drive him into the ground unnecessarily. Another thing we know you're not supposed to do. Maybe I would have thought maybe he would like could have come up and and maybe it was slightly late. But then so I was like, maybe that's it. But then both Jeff Zrebeck and Jameson Hensley got to question referee Jerome Boger after the game. And according to Jameson Hensley, this was the question. Oh no, this is was was what The ref said, he said, what I had was forcible contact in the head neck area of the quarterback with the helmet. Then Jamison wrote that the question was, are you confident about the head neck contact? Boger says, yes. There definitely was not. There just was not. It just, there wasn't. And to give 15 yards in a critical moment like that, it just, it hurts. It hurts, you know, and to say it didn't have an impact on the game would not be true. It did have an impact more than the fourth down call, more than Lamar's interception, more than Odafe Owe. Probably not. But yeah, it had it had an effect, and you and 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 it it stinks when when the referees have an effect. You know, it just it it just it isn't fun. You you hate to see it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. And for Brandon Stevens himself, like somebody who you know, is a second year player and, and this goes for all players, but they spend so much time when it comes to technique and discipline. And, you know, when you're playing the, the game of football, which happens at such an electric speed, like it's, it takes, it, it takes precision to control your body and have discipline in that moment. And for him to have done everything perfectly, which Gene Steratore, uh, official analyst, former official double down on as well, kind of backed up what you just said. He tweeted out, this was a hard hit on Josh Allen, but the contact was neither late nor to the head and neck area. Allen did fall awkwardly. I think this is the key here, which ultimately put put Boger in. It's the opposite of swallowing your your whistle, Sarah, in, in basketball. Yeah. You know, like Allen falling awkwardly is probably what did it here. Gene says that always adds an additional layer of difficulty for these plays. But in my opinion, that did not warrant a flag for roughing the passer. This came just before the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. I mean, this was a massively pivotal play, and it's it's a bummer that when you do everything perfectly and when you're having a great game, by the way, Brandon Stevens was flying around all over the field. It, it was a pivotal play. Yeah, and I even forgot one of the ones that they missed. I have him sitting here looking at a still image of J.K. Dobbins being mauled <laughs> by a Bills defender holding him when he goes out for a route. I mean, the Bills defender, like, has his arms around his head. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Just, again, on both ends where they miss plays, it just is so frustrating to see referees miss play after play after play after play. It's it's, it's so frustrating. And um, one other quick thing, uh, maybe we can hit up some good things that happened here just because this has been, you know, we're trying to, like, attack it from all angles here. But just one thing we didn't mention with Marcus Peters. Number one, I I wanted to hear from Marcus Peters. I'm so disappointed we didn't get to hear from him. I, I wanted to hear, like, I couldn't tell if he was mad at what had happened with Odafe Owe or the play call or whatever. Because to me, player after player after player, as they're gonna, is get, had John Harbaugh's back. And... Peters will always call it out as, as he as he does, but I'm wondering, like, can he? I'm just wondering. It's not like he was betting against his defense, right? I, I mean, help me think through this. What is it that Peters would be super upset about by going for it? Like him betting on Lamar Jackson, them. I don't think he would be that upset about. And I'm trying to think if if going for it on fourth down is he like? Would it be a slight if Peters is upset about the call? Is it a slight about the defense? I don't think so. Either way, the defense well, we has to make want- a stop no matter what happens. If it's an interception, they got to make a stop. If it's a failed conversion and you have to start in the two-yard line, you still got to make a stop. If the Ravens score, you still got to make a stop so they don't come down and tie it. Either way, the, P- the defense has to come in and make a stop to win this game in yes. any of those scenarios. So at the time of this taping, we haven't heard from Marcus himself. So it is pure speculation, like you said. At the same time, we do have this from John Harbaugh, which to me opens up the conversation for, yeah, it was about the fourth and two decision. Listen to this from Harbaugh when he was asked about these specific sideline exchange that went viral, of course, uh, across all okay. social platforms right after that decision. Uh, it seemed like Marcus Peters was very upset on the sideline. Was, yeah. was it clear why he was upset? And yeah, emotions talking. run high. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're on the same page. You know, he and I, we, we got a great relationship. We got an honest relationship. You know, I love him. I hope he still loves me. We'll see. You know, but... Uh, I'm a Marcus Peters guy. So to me, there was no specific question of was he upset about the call, the fourth down call. Uh, you know, I mean, it very well could have been. I'm just saying, I, I, when, when yeah. there's conflict between player and coach, I want to know what the conflict is about before I, I make assumptions. I want to know what it is. Yeah. The problem here is that we're never going to know, right? Because when Marcus meets with the media this week, he's going to downplay it and he's going to say the same thing. So I, I'm on the other side. I think it is about a pride thing. I think it is about, hey, you know, are you not? Inst- are you? Is there not a belief here? Are you not instilling confidence in us? But but why, Bobby? But we're Explain never going to know. 
explain that to me. How is it? How is it that Harbaugh is not showing confidence in the defense? Because in all three situations, the defense has to make a stop. I know Marcus the competitor, and I just feel like he wants to not only stop Buffalo's defense the way they had all game, 20 points total at that point. You, If they kick the points, they use the chip shot from the GOAT there, then it's a bigger challenge, I guess, right? It's a bigger challenge. You, you have to hold them, period. Not a field goal, not a touchdown. You have to hold them, period, in order to win the game. Yeah, but I don't agree that they were holding him all game. They definitely started out hot, 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 hot. They had the interception. They only gave up a field goal and then a fumble and then punt, punt. They were hot. Then finally, at the end of the second half, they give a touchdown. Then to start the second half, they give up a field goal, and then they give up another touchdown. So in the second half, the the defense had only – forced one punt in the second half and, and with all but these just blown three leads, points in the fourth quarter yeah but but that's because Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense had the ball for 14 minutes on one drive <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you know what I mean like, that's true. like and then they also in the third quarter had the ball for almost it was like a nine minute drive right uh yeah it was a nine and a half minute drive uh yeah they were they were reeling, and on top of it, since we're sitting here talking about blown leads, Bobby, we're talking about blown leads, and we're both saying we disagree with Harbaugh. And at the same time, when you have that many blown leads, doesn't that even more give credence to Harbaugh's decision? You know what I mean? Point. <laughs> like, it's a good point. Yeah. When you're up by 21 and you're up by 14, I mean, granted, on on the Miami one, Marlon wasn't in there, but like, I mean, that only to me that only gives more credence. So to me, it's like, I don't think the defense, including Marcus Peters, like Marcus Peters is to me I, again. I just want to know what what Marcus Peters was upset about because I'm having a hard time. If he if he sat here and they interviewed him and he said, "Yeah, I disagree with the fourth down decision," I wouldn't understand it from a defender's point of view. It's like, listen, if the Ravens score a touchdown, you got to make a stop and not let them score a touchdown to win the game. If they take the points and it's and they we're only up by three, you got to play defense and prevent the touchdown. And if you turn the ball over on downs, you got to make a stop. No matter what, the defense has to step up. So I don't, I don't understand what a defender would be upset about. So anyway, we've re- rehashed this yeah. three times. <laughs> so hopefully Marcus Peters will say what he thought uh, on on uh, locker room will be not till Wednesday. So we'll see. Um, but Bobby, let's do. Can we do one thing here? Can we give J.K. Dobbins some love? Can we can we like go that route a little bit and talk about something positive from this game? He deserves it because hard to believe after the 2020 season obviously was in front of no fans and then 2021 was taken away from him because of the torn ACL and then last week's debut was in Foxborough that he'd never even played in front of a home crowd. Yeah, and let's just talk about how like J.K. Dobbins, this was his first touchdown since January 10th, 2021 in a playoff win over the Titans. It's been a minute. And this is crazy. This is a crazy stat to me. J.K. Tobbins becomes the first player in franchise history to score both a rushing and receiving touchdown in any one quarter. Like, I'm like, really? And like all those Ray Rice years, like, and all the running backs the Ravens have ever had, I'm surprised that this has never happened before. But, man, I'll just tell you what. It just... I know moments like this is what motivated J.K. Dobbins through a year of grueling rehab as he has to sit back and watch his teammates go and play in all these games. He can't help them. And I got to say, Bobby, like to me, with Dobbins out there, the offense is just different. It's just different. Like the all of last year, the first two games without Dobbins, like the run game just struggled. And the run game consisted of basically Lamar Jackson. And now I don't think it's a coincidence that ever since J.K. Dobbins came back, and I do want to give credit to Justice Hill, who has also played, who has also ran well. But, like, since Dobbins has been back, it's just another weapon that defensive coordinators have to account for. And, uh, like, I don't know that the offensive line is suddenly giving massive bigger holes than they were 
the first two games before Dobbins was around. I mean, it just, he just is a difference maker. And I'm so happy for him. And I'm so happy that Lamar has another weapon. I'm glad the offensive line has somebody that's going to find the holes that they're giving him. He's just a difference maker. And he's only going to go up from here. That first half looked eerily similar to the way they conducted business as an offense in 2019. You know, the 14 and two campaign, Lamar's MVP season. And I know that J.K. Dobbins obviously was at Ohio State then. But he just looks so comfortable. We know he is a threat both on the ground and in the air. I think between last week's spin move in Foxborough and just some of the cuts that he made today, again, we're taping this on Sunday night, like it's just very encouraging for where he is. He took a couple hard hits. He ran out the middle a couple times, and you're kind of you're just sitting there like, oh, man, you hope the knee kind of holds your breath, and you hope the knee holds up. and and it looks like it. I mean, you have no idea the way he's feeling right now, right? Like he's probably in the yeah. ice bath right now. And maybe he feels horrific just based on, you know, the, the uphill climb that it is coming back from a torn ACL. But it's just, you're right. The, the offense, it looks, feels, and acts differently with him out there. And while we're talking about the running backs, it was great to see Justice Hill have that same burst. And you obviously hope the best for him, who had another great game until he had to kind of pull up on a long run that the guy had the grit and wherewithal and toughness to keep running through the play. But he clearly pulled up, you know, halfway through it and ended up leaving the game and spent some time in the medical tent with what the team described as a hamstring. So hopefully that's something that's just a small little tweak because I know until Gus Edwards comes back, Justice has absolutely earned the right to maybe not split the carries with JK, but certainly be a a factor in their ground game. Yeah, Justice Hill looked really good, especially on the drive that he went out. On that one drive, he had a run of 10, 12, and I believe the last one was 14 yards. And those pesky hamstrings, man, I hate those because while, you know, it's nice that it's not a season ender, but those things are just so hard. You can re-aggravate those so easy. So you just have to be extra cautious and make sure it's behind you. Um, But that's too bad. And he probably could have had more yards on that, on that run. He had a ton of space and and all of that before he had to pull up. Here's my thing on this one. We're not going to get a definitive answer from John Harbaugh on this one. If it's a season ender, John Harbaugh will tell you. If it's not a season ender, John Harbaugh is not going to tell you. And he's going to say it's week to week. And then so everybody will take that as, oh, he could be back soon. But week to week could be four weeks. You know, it could be, <laughs> it could be, you know, one week. It could be whatever. You just, you just never know. And then while we're talking about injuries and, and other news with um, Rashad Bateman, sounds like he hurt his foot. We saw during the game that he went into the uh, blue medical tent. According to Evan Washburn, who was down on the sideline, he went into the blue medical tent to get his foot taped. And when he came back out, he seemed to be running fine, but he did. He and Lamar didn't connect on that slant, which would have easily gone for a first down. And then, and then some, it was the same type of play where he had gone, I believe 75 yards for a touchdown. I think that one was in the Miami game. It was that same type of play. Now, I don't know that he would have gone to the house, but he had plenty enough to make the first down. And I also felt like both he and Lamar were a little bit to blame on that, on that miscue. I feel like Lamar led him a little too much, but I also felt like Bateman and maybe it was his foot. Maybe, maybe his foot while he wasn't limping, maybe he didn't have the speed that, that he normally has. Maybe his foot is there. So that's definitely something to watch. I mean, we've talked about forever how there's just not a lot of depth at wide receiver. (laughs) So yeah, Bateman ends with three catches for 17 yards. Not a great day. Mark Andrews only had two catches for 15 yards. That's crazy. Dever Duvernay had four for 51. Lamar overall just not, I mean, comes back down to earth a little bit. 20 of 29, 144 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So that's a quarterback rating of 63. I don't think he's going to be leading the league anymore with that. And then he added 73 yards on the ground and, and no no touchdown. So it's just crazy because they had they had so much time of possession and yards, but the offense just after that hot start could get really just couldn't get in the end zone. They were moving the ball, time of possession, but couldn't get in the end zone. 
Sarah, the Ravens possessed the football for 38 minutes and 10 seconds to the Bills 2150. That is insane. If you told me the following that one, they were going to hold this Bills team to 23 points, they were going to possess the football for 17 more minutes than them. If you told me those two statistics alone prior to the game, I would have been like, well, our predictions are going to be flat out wrong. And unfortunately, they were right. We weren't right in the scoring category department, but we did have the Bills, you know, winning this game. But man, that just shows you like stalling drives and turnovers and ultimately, you know, some decision making, whether it be, you know, the the, the call on fourth down or you know, Lamar's decision to loft a ball up instead of finding a wide open Mike Davis that, you know, the, those proved to be super costly. Yeah, it's funny because we did say, even though we both predicted a loss, we kind of went through our keys to the win. I said two keys. I said, win long drives to have a big time of possession and then turnovers. And I specifically said three or more turnovers and the, and when, and, and the long drives. So they were one short on the turnovers, but I'm thinking out of the half, that is exactly the formula the Ravens were doing. They had two turnovers, plus out of the second half, had the ball 21 minutes and just to, to the nine minutes that the, that the Bills had. So I'm like, this is the exact formula. Just keep it up. Just keep it up. And then the second half, there were no more turnovers, and they had the long drives, but they didn't finish. It comes back to this. They didn't finish the Ravens have got to figure out how to finish. And until they do, this is until they do, this is just going to keep happening. Can we also give some love in addition to, you know, J.K. Dobbins for D- Daniel Falele? I mean, he makes makes his oh, yeah. first first career NFL start, first start ever in his entire football career at left tackle. They gave him a lot of help, sure. Pat Ricard, Mark Andrews, a lot of help on the left-hand side there for extra for an extra blocker, but we never, correct me if I'm wrong, but we never throughout the entire game saw a moment where he was just picked on the way that he was initially when he came, when he was thrust into the left tackle starting spot, when Patrick McCary went down and then all of a sudden Dietrich wise and Matthew Judon and new England's pass rushers just were, were feasting like that. That never happened. Am I wrong? No, I mean, Lamar Jackson was sacked twice for 10 yards and I need to think back to remember where they came from. I feel like I remember one coming up the middle and I can't remember the second one, but I, so because one came up from the middle, I don't think that would be on Falele. No, I'm shocked, quite frankly. I'm just shocked by how well he's playing. <laughs> like uh, Morgan Moses, after the game, he said that he went up to Daniel Falele and said, um, you know, what you've done in the last two weeks as a rookie is unheard of. I mean, Von Miller and Greg Rousseau on the other side who have been eating in the past. I mean, it just is, it's beyond me. There was one time I thought it was hilarious that Patrick Ricard did help and he went and hit Von Miller and then released him. And then Von Miller is like, okay, he's released now. I got to go get the quarterback. And then there stands this massive human being and Daniel Falele. And Von Miller is just like, where do I go? Like, there was no way around him, you know? It was just, I'm like, just that that big of a body, you know, does something against somebody as incredible as Von Miller. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Greg Roman has done a good job of getting him help. But then even beyond that, it's, I'm shocked by it. Again, I just don't even know what else to say. Like, how can a rookie be thrown into the left tackle position like that, never played it before in his life? And for the most part, Lamar Jackson is clean. It's crazy. He deserves major, major credit. I mean, for this to happen so last minute and for Daniel, who was labeled as a developmental tackle out of Minnesota and someone who, you know, the Ravens just kind of wanted to to bring in and take a chance on and not rush him into anything. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, he's going up against a former Super Bowl MVP in week four in Baltimore. Like it's it's quite a story. And I think he's just you really got to tip your cap to him. And, you know, obviously we talked about this a number of times this week with Ronnie Stanley's return imminent, or at least 
him breaking his silence a little bit and meeting with the media for the first time this year and sort of revealing some things about his recovery and a separate lower body injury that he sustained from that premature return in week one of 2021. Like with all of that in mind, it's just nice to know that while Ronnie's timeline is super secret, secretive and unknown at this, at this point, it's nice to know that this dude can come in and against a, a phenomenal individual talent in Von Miller hold his own. And I just think both Greg Roman and Daniel himself should absolutely um, receive some, some praise for that. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, big time. All right, Bobby, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Let's take a look around the AFC North really quickly. Pittsburgh ended up losing to the New York Jets kind of in the last minute there, 20 to 24. Um, the Cleveland Browns barely lost by three to Atlanta, 20 to 23. And then we all saw on Thursday night that Cincinnati had a pretty decisive win over Miami. Didn't hurt that it didn't hurt the Bengals' chances after Miami lost to a tongue of Iloa. So right now, everybody except for the Steelers are two and two in the division. The Steelers are one and three. So week four, lots of football still to play. Yeah, and I would say probably the biggest storyline in terms of AFC North football, aside from you know what happened to the Ravens, is the fact that after being really adamant that he was going to stick by Mitch Trubisky, Mike Tomlin decided to go with the rookie, Kenny Pickett, and benched Mitch in that loss. Now, Pickett looked pretty good, and, and I'll be curious to see you know if he starts to turn around this Steelers team. To, to your point, they're one and three right now, uh, but... I really thought that, and I was on record for saying this earlier on in, in our first few weeks uh, on the vault, Sarah, that I thought that they were not only going to let Mitch ride it out this this first year and, and have Kenny sort of learn from under him, but I thought that Mitch was going to kind of resurrect his career, and it sure looks like, barring something unforeseen, then it is the Kenny Pickett era in Pittsburgh, so Anyway, that is that. And, uh, of course, the Ravens will see the Cincinnati Bengals this coming week in Week 5, Sunday Night Football, our first primetime matchup of the season, one of three for this team in regular season play, and it should be a good one. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this instant reaction episode here on the Ravens Vault Podcast. As always, if you are, have been enjoying our content and you haven't already done so, please follow our show wherever you're listening to, whether it's audio-only versions or if you're on YouTube, please consider subscribing if you haven't already done so as well. We create daily content on all things Baltimore Ravens, and we have been really, really enjoying it. This is our third month in existence. October is finally here. We're smack dab in the middle of this season. Sure, it was a loss, but it was a compelling loss against a team that is absolutely going to be there when it's all said and done in January, maybe even in February for these Buffalo Bills. So we appreciate your support, and thanks for being with us here on The Vault. Yeah.